0: Blue Notes on air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. The opportunity side of that conversation is uh, and I heard it directly from an insurer who said, wow, well, that means we can send money to families who have been displaced because of a natural disaster on a Sunday afternoon when they can't reach a bank and they, they may have had their wallet burned up in a fire or whatever it is, some terrible experience. We can actually send them money when they really need it in real time. Today, is Nigel Dobson and the NPP's Adrian Love Me share insights into the new payments platform and the future of payments in Australia. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Adrian, welcome. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, this is the first podcast I've done, and it probably won't be the last we do on MPP. And you probably do this all the time, right? Um, so, as CEO of MPP Australia, um, I guess one of the questions we wanted to our audience to hear from you personally was: um, What's different about MPP? And, and you know, when we launch, what's what are the what are consumers in Australia going to feel? that's different and new about this. So, the new
1: payments platform is. Uh, Brand new payments infrastructure, yeah. which will set up Australia for the for the next phase of its growth. The current payment system that we use is, you know, 40 to 50 years old. Mm. It's slow. It's analog. It's not particularly kind of data friendly. It yeah, doesn't work on weekends. It doesn't integrate well with businesses. And you know, we needed to kind of upgrade it and yeah. put in the new system that was going to take us forward into the future. So. What, what we're building is a, a set of very fast rails that will connect all of the banks in Australia, including the Reserve Bank of Australia. Yeah. Uh, and it'll enable consumers to move money between accounts that are held at those banks in real time, and that'll happen 24 7, 365.
0: Yeah, well, that, that is a big change. So I, that's, that's a great explanation. So, Adrian, you and I have been living this for. Last three years, so um, you know, we we understand the the level of complexity this this has uh, generated within the banks and, and across the industry. Um, but in spite of that, you know we're still on time, uh, give or take a few weeks, really. That's, that's right. When you think about it, and I'm I'm delighted with that. So from an industry p- point of view, I know you've been CEO for just over a year now. But you know you're you came from Cusco where you obviously had the, um, the specific bank view. Coming into your role, what do you see? What what do you what do you feel has gone really well about how the industry is rallied around the timeline and the execution? So payments is by definition
1: a collaborative business. It's not mm. much good one bank that's being right. kind of on track uh and, and not having anybody to send payments to. System. So and while each individual bank has got their own pathway and their own strategy and their own technology environment, they all have to progress in a way that's kind of aligned and coordinated. Mm. And I think that's been the biggest uh, the, the biggest success that we've had today. I don't think either of us expected a year ago that we would necessarily be going live with all of the banks. Mm. Um, we thought that it was possible that we might we might lose one, right. we might join about six months later. Yeah. But but to be in a position where we're, we're planning on a go-live in, in early 2018 with, with all of the participating banks from day one, I think is a really good achievement and, yeah. uh, and a mark of the effort that people put
0: in. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, one of the things that I found really gratifying was over the period of the last three years, the, the level of genuine collaboration, you know, genuine, um, you know, well-meaning discussions between banks sharing problems and finding solutions together, I think that's probably helped us get to where we are today. Um, and the fact, as you say, that we're launching with 10 banks rather than maybe 6, yes. um, I think is testament to that degree of collaboration. I know my team, uh, you know, Paul Jackson, Catherine, they're constantly talking to the other participants trying to work out um, common problems together. And we probably didn't anticipate that. And from your point of view, you must be pleased with that.
1: Yes. Uh, I think that in the the very early days, there was a real collaborative spirit that was infused through this program that has Mm. made it more or less through to the end, Um, Mm. you know, including through some quite difficult difficult patches. But as you say, even through industry testing, uh, participants have been prepared to help each other out. To rerun tests where where they've needed to, to help out their, their peers, who are in some respects their competitors. So yeah, that's right. It's, uh,
0: it's 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 um you know it's not not the way that banks usually work. I know, and and that, that's why I'm, I, I've, I've this experience has been so um, uh, life changing, perhaps. But you know, in terms of the way the banks demonstrably cooperated around this yeah. um, quite significant piece of work, I think. Um, it actually sets us up for further collaborations in the future, yes. which is which gives me confidence that subsequent overlays that come into the market, which will rely on you know something you referred to earlier, that network effect of multiple players you know using services and using um, different types of overlays, um, that's going to be probably easier than we might have anticipated. Yes, so so what about from your perspective? what are your, what are your customers? Saying about about this, what you know, well, what kind of conversations are you having? Yeah, look, I've been speaking to a, particularly our corporate institutional clients now for the last uh, eighteen months, and I've got some some key messages for them. Which is the, the easy stuff is you know you'll receive money faster, so great for cash flow. In fact, I spoke to a group of small business uh, clients yesterday talking about cash flow velocity and um, pay ID, which I think will be tremendous for a small business owner to be able to you know send their pay ID rather than the mess around with um, BSBs and account numbers and um, uh, that, that kind of simplicity that the platform's introducing I think will be tremendous for them. But the conversations I've had, the really deep ones I've had, have been with um, quite large companies who, as I said, on the first on the first hand they go, yeah, you'll get money faster, um, which is kind of a no-brainer. But the other one is I say back to them, well, you know, in this, in this world where real time is genuinely real time and on a Saturday afternoon too, by the way, What are you going to do as a service provider around fulfilling services when somebody knows you've got their their money, right? And often that's greeted with a little bit of surprise um, because all the treasury people are thinking about is the money flow. And you start talking to the business people within an organization uh, and they go, oh, yeah, that's right. There'll be our customer base who, who knows that they've paid us. They'll know that we have the money. Um, and they expect be, you to do something. Precisely. So I've, I've been talking about real-time commerce mm-hmm. um, and expanding the, the conversation well beyond real-time payments, even real-time data. Real-time commerce is, is now upon us mm-hmm. um, with certainty, right? And people will, will know um, that money has changed hands and therefore their expectation around service fulfilment mm-hmm. in many industries, particularly service industries, will change. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, the other reaction to this is, is twofold. You'll get those who go, oh, my God, how are we going to transform our... Um, infrastructure and technology within my company uh, to fulfill these uh, new expectations. And that's kind of the challenging part of it. The opportunity side of that conversation is, uh, and I heard it directly from an insurer who said, wow, that means we can send money to families who've been displaced because of a natural disaster on a Sunday afternoon when they can't reach a bank and they, they might have had their wallet burned up in a fire or whatever it is, some terrible experience. We can actually send their money when they really need it in real time. And I think that's the, that's the kind of framing that I, I love to see when you, when you see big customers like insurers and others think it through, consider the challenges, but then consider the opportunities. And it aligns, I
1: guess, with the changes
0: they're making in other parts of their business,
1: right? So if well, you've got, you know, I saw a story about an insurer yesterday talking about, you know, using AI to automatically of course, kind of um, yeah. assess and pay claims. Yeah. If you can assess and pay a claim almost instantly, and then put the money in somebody's account five minutes later, then you really are transforming a customer Absolutely. experience. Absolutely. And so, I think part of the challenge
0: here is is to to get that thinking onto their transformation roadmap because these big companies are, you know, as as I mentioned, insurance, superannuation, these sort of service based industries that have been traditionally quite analog. Yep. Uh, they're going through a digital transformation like we are, that they're dematerialising lots of their processes. And what they probably hadn't yet got to is that realisation that the, the payment execution can happen really quickly as well. So they're going to have to build that in together with that whole service fulfilment expectation, which I think is really interesting. And the MPP will allow um, organisations that
1: are on that journey to to think about deep integration between these systems and the payment mm-hmm. system. So... so you know, for many organisations that are doing a work around around DLT or around the blockchain, yep. you could you could you could write a, uh, a contract or an IOU I or an invoice or a contract on the blockchain. Yep. Uh, inject a payment infrastructure construction directly into the MPP yep. and have a smart contract fulfilled end to end. Yeah, using yes. that infrastructure. I agree. I
0: mean, you know, I, I was I, I've been thinking this through, particularly on domestic uh, in a domestic scenario around security settlement, where if you think about blockchain today, um, almost all uh, folks who have this view around security settlements, say, so, "Oh, well, you need a crypto coin to settle. Yes. And I'm going, why? Um, you've got MPP that can instantaneously be um, triggered through a payment instruction from a smart contract, as you rightly suggest, and fulfilled within seconds. You know, oh. you're, um, you're that whole concept of DVP risk where, yes. you know, the securities industry is tied itself in knots traditionally around collateral and, you know, margins, that can disappear. And you didn't need a crypto coin to do it. Yeah, at least domestically anyway. And I think
1: so. I think many people, many of those organisations that are calling for cryptocurrency, that that frustration seems to me to be born out of a frustration with the legacy payment rails. Totally. And so totally if we right. can actually fix the exactly. payment rails, then maybe we can we can fix some other problems as well. I agree with that.
0: Yeah, it's dead right. So Adrian, you know, you and I've been deep in this for three years, longer uh, maybe. Um, and when we we've already got there in our own minds, right? We we see it happening. We can see. We've probably both, we both got a shared vision of how this works. How long do you think it's going to be between, before the the general community, consumers, small businesses, and large, actually get it, adopt it, and start using it in fury?
1: I mean, I think the first hurdle to cross is that when people can actually see it and touch it. Mm. So part of my frustration over the last year or so is that two thirds of my time is spent explaining something that people can't see. Yeah. So so when this thing goes live in early twenty eighteen. Most, most consumers, individual consumers at least, will start to see the product in their banking app. Yes. I think you know, the, the ones that will come next will be, will be businesses receiving payments and making payments. And then I think in parallel, um, people like you and, and to some extent me are having conversations with, 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 with institutions, um, with large payers... Um, with with industry verticals, whether that's in the stock exchange mm-hmm. or real estate or insurance, and helping them to understand the the, the value. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to come in two parts. I think practically, when people can see it and use it, and they can you know they pay their rent and pay their mum yeah. and pay their friends, then they'll start to understand the power of the technology. Yeah. And then I think that will lead to some some richer conversations with people about how they can integrate it into their businesses.
0: And when you say see it, you know this is really interesting um, that. Brings me to OSCO. Yes. And pay ID. Yes, right. And they're going to be the two visible brands. I mean, MPP is a company that you run and you operate the infrastructure. The visible brands in the market are going to be the Faster Payment, Osco, yes. and the Pay ID. So maybe just spend a little bit of time sure. on, on that for, for our audience. So, so Pay ID uh, is, is probably the first thing that people will see. They'll yeah.
1: see an advertising campaign shortly. And one of the first things they'll get, I imagine, is an invitation from their bank to create a Pay ID. Yeah. And that's an optional. Unique identifier that they can use to attach to their account uh, to receive payments. <coughs> so rather than having to remember my BSB and account number yep. and tell you what my BSB um you can send money to my mobile phone number yes. and it will end up in my bank account yeah. or, or my Building Society account. So that's the first thing people will see. And then, and then in the new year, uh, uh, you'll start to see advertising for OSCO, uh, which is the first product that will, that will use the new payments rails and PayID, and that will enable um, individuals and businesses to send each other money, including documents, uh, within 60 seconds. So, so, so PayID is the, the addressing service, and OSCO is the, the name of the first brand that, that is really a, a person-to-person
0: or person-to-business payment service. Yeah, and that OSCO comes with a service level expectation that the industry is delivering. It's promising, right? That's right. So just explain the whole extent of of that promise. So a payment that's made with OSCO, on average,
1: 95 know, 97% 97 of payments will be received and completed in 60 seconds. Yep. Um, That that 3% allows a little bit of wriggle room for Mm. banks to conduct further due diligence. Yep conduct checking for for fraud, Fraud, for example, and and, and so most payments will will move uh, automatically quickly through the system Mm. and appear in your bank account, and you can take those out or pay them to somebody else. Sure. Um, uh, But there will be uh, a small number of payments that are withheld, as you'd expect, for banks to do
0: fraud checking, just like they do today. No, I did right. We've provisioned for that, and I think that's the the punchline, isn't it, that for, for a P2P payment, that is genuinely cash in your account. Yes. It's not just a posting, not just a notification, it is genuinely money that you can take out of the ATM should you choose Yes. or in our more digital society you could pass it on to somebody else. Yes. So today if I was buying
1: something on Gumtree, um, uh, you know, from somebody that I didn't know that I've never met before, what Mm. I'd probably do is go to the ATM and take out cash so that we could both walk away from that transaction knowing that you've been paid, Sure. whereas in future I can get your mobile number, your pay ID send you money and you can see in your account that you've been paid and let me walk away with the, the thing I've bought. So yeah. it'll really start to make a practical difference for me. Yeah. And that, to me, that's,
0: that's, that's the this concept of real-time commerce, right? And um, It speeds up transactions. It means I can go and buy a car and drive it out of the showroom on the day. Um, all these kind of things. And you know, we've got some great ideas Um Thinking around home ownership as well, because you know you always buy a house on the weekend. No one buys a house on a Tuesday. And who has who has you know sixty thousand dollars in cash? And... <laughs> well, yeah, we uh, we don't encourage that. And no. so you know I, th- th- these are some of the use cases that are just just jump out at you, mm-hmm. and that we think are going to be um, uh, I think incredibly um, useful for our for our customers and and for small businesses. Going back to Pay ID, when I was speaking to small business yesterday, um, one of the things I, I said was that you know you can request. Uh, a payment in the future. A request to pay is one of those new overlay services. Do you want to talk us through what that's <clears throat> gonna do for So that'll be one of the services that comes
1: from OSCO, you know you know, in the in the year following launch that yep. will become available. And so not only will you be able to receive a document with a payment, so that might be a, a receipt or a benefit statement, but in future you'll also be able to make a request to pay. So if, if I think that you owe me 100 bucks for, for dinner or a concert ticket, I could send you a request for payment. Um, that money doesn't automatically come out of your bank account. You actually have to physically authorise that request to payment or right. just ignore it and do nothing and yeah. it will disappear. So mm-hmm. it really does provide a nice balance between... The, the person that's requesting the funds and
0: mm. the person that's authorising the funds transfer. Yeah. I mean, one of, the, one of the use cases we like about request to pay for very small business, like even sole proprietors, tradespeople in particular, who are sort of in situ, they've done the work, they go to the person and say, um, well, I've done the work, I'm sending you a request to pay with my pay ID. That individual who's just employed them to do that piece of work, uh, or a contractor, um you know, they receive that and with a, with a pay ID and they can just activate that immediately yes. so again, that real time commerce um, experience where you get fulfillment for the, for the trace person who doesn't have to go and go back and send you an invoice and wait two weeks for the money maybe yes so I, I think that whole velocity of money uh, and, and fulfillment of services is really uh, I think it's going to be fantastic in our community,
1: so my daughter's um, AFL club yeah. uh, you know they collect money for jerseys at sure. the beginning of every season, and they have to literally send out a, a request to parents of you yeah. know a hundred kids asking for fifty bucks, yeah, and the amount of work and effort that they have to put into. I'm um, following people up, chasing yes. them, banking checks, receiving payments, uh, yeah. in that, you know, in future yeah. you would just be able to send out a bunch of payment requests to people in that yep. environment and, and, and as those requests come in, uh, you know, they'll be automatically kind of reported to you so you can follow up people over time. It'll really make life easy for a, for a whole bunch of
0: people. Yeah, and simple because no one needs to remember the bank account numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. One of the things that we worry about is obviously fraud. And we've, we've looked back into um, countries like uh, the UK in particular, where we got a lot of learnings. Uh, they implemented almost 10 years ago, uh, Singapore, who've um, also had some experience there. What are your industry-wide views on how banks are tackling fraud in this much faster world that we're living in in real time? So Australian banks are,
1: by and large, among the best in the world at protecting their customers from fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know we expect uh, that on this project, uh, banks will continue to do a bunch of things, some of which will be visible to their customers, yeah. uh, like you know sending a text message, getting you to confirm a, a new payee, or or sending you a text message if there's an unusual transaction. But they'll also do a bunch of things behind the scenes. Um, so you know, uh, uh, tracking uh, your kind of pattern of spend and looking for unusual payments. Um, you know, in some cases, uh, you know, tracking the device that you're using to make sure that it's yes. not being compromised. Yes. There's a whole bunch of activities that, that, that banks will do um, to, to make sure they protect the customers. I don't think any of us uh, in the program that I've seen are taking fraud um, for granted. There's oh, a, right. certainly yeah. a lot of focus on, on fraud and making sure that, that customers uh, don't get tricked. What, what we do see in other jurisdictions... Yeah is people using these new systems to, to, to conduct old-fashioned frauds. Yes, so, yes. Um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, romance scams or, or scams involving people pretending to be from the Australian Taxation Office. Yeah. Uh, we'll see... Uh, People uh, using this new system to conduct uh, fraud, the old-fashioned fraud, in faster ways. So we'll we'll obviously continue to invest in systems
0: to to help prevent that. Yeah, well, like us too, we we, we have the same view, Adrian, that uh, we think that the the vectors of fraud will remain largely unchanged but perhaps that the success could be increased momentarily. Uh, particularly around the social engineering uh, type um, uh, instances you mentioned. But you know, at ANZ we've responded um, much in the way you've described, you know, we're going to have step-up authentication using voice biometrics, we're going to use OTPs around um, uh, certain size payments over certain thresholds, response uh, questions for customers again on a risk-based basis. And um, that, that piece you mentioned about um, GPS and uh, where we're using a, a, a company called ThreatMetrics who yes. can tell you, you know, is the phone being used? Where do we think it's being used? And that's all happening in real time as well. And that feeds our board engine, which we've we recently operated as well. So, look, you know, we, we hope that um, we are in. Uh, certainly upgraded it from our traditional rails to to meet the needs and requirements of a real-time system Um, but you know time will tell but look adrian thank you very much Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you uh, and thanks for your insights thank you for listening to blue notes on air blue notes on air was produced by the blue notes editorial team with music by kevin mcleod